Welcome to Facebook Live today. I am going to go back and just reteach a little bit on what we had Sunday evening. On the series Effortless Living, this is lesson number two, and I want to go back and read a verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 46 before we get into Romans chapter 6. But 1 Corinthians 15 46 states, that was not first which is spiritual, spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. Now, we found out that the word natural there simply means nature, inborn. It means agreeable to nature. It means governed by the instincts of nature effortlessly. And so we're talking about effortless living, and in this series of teachings, we're going to talk about the fact that we can live effortlessly, not by work, toil, and sweat, but effortlessly in every area of our life, not only in the natural, but also spiritually. You know, we're blessed with all spiritual blessing. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, but so many times... Because of religiosity, we have been taught to, to struggle and to fight and that life is just a, a great big battle. But we can learn as we begin to sow the seeds of our Christ mind into our heart awareness. As we begin to yield our own intellect, our reason, our logic, feelings, emotions then we can be brought to the place by the Spirit of Grace to where we just effortlessly begin to flow in every dimension and every area of our life. Now, what I want to do today, as we did Sunday evening, I want to apply the first few verses of Romans chapter 6, actually verses 6 through 13, to effortless living. And what we find here is and are three words, knowing, reckoning, and yielding. Knowing, there's something we have to know. There is something we have to reckon. Now, the word reckon is an accounting term, and it denotes reckoning that is going to work. What I know is going to work. That's what reckoning means. It's an accounting word, as I said. For example, if you have money in the bank, you know that that money is going to spend. You can get it at any time. And you can spend it on what you will. And then we have yielding, knowing we have to know some things. Reckoning, we have to know that the things that we know are going to work. And then there is the yielding where we take the intellect or the left side and yield it to the right side of our Christ mind. Now, there's a word that we have looked at quite often in this series so far. And it's the word weakness. If you look up the word weakness in the dictionary, it has to do with something being less powerful than something else. But weakness in the scripture is really a term or a principle of yielding. Yielding the left side, yielding the intellect, the way you think you ought to do a certain thing, or, or taking the reasoning when you try to reason things out, or your logic, and you don't go by those faculties, but you yield those faculties to the Christ mind, and you allow the Christ mind then to filter through the intellect, the reason, and the logic. So I want to read here in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 13, and I'll comment as we go. 
You remember we talked about the fact that Adam needed Eve and Eve needed Adam and how that Eve was not lesser than Adam, just like our feminine principle is not lesser than our masculine principle. But Eve, it says in the scriptures in Genesis, was a helpmeet to Adam. And the word helpmeet literally means an equivalent, not lesser, but an equivalent. So they needed one another just as our masculine or our Christ mind needs our feminine principle and the feminine principle needs the masculine principle. So here in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 6, <clears throat> it says, knowing this, and that's the first part that we talked about here in Romans 6, is the knowing, then the reckoning, and then the yielding. So knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him or with Christ. So what we have to understand here that the term old man is really a metaphor for lower thoughts. You know, when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, the word it means the baffling wind or lie of self. And we know that Colossians chapter 1 talks about the fact that we were alienated and we were enemies. And then it tells us where this took place in our mind or in our heart awareness. So the old man was not who we were per se, but the old man was lower thoughts. Now, you always act like the person you believe yourself to be. So if we believed we were an old man, well, our actions came out of that mindset or that heart awareness because the awareness is a projector and will project that out in a manifestation. So it says again, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin, now sin in scripture refers to mistaken identity. It's not actions. Sins, plural, represent actions that come as a result of the mistaken identity, the sin or the mistaken identity that we hold in our heart awareness. So it says that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, or that we should not be controlled by mistaken identity. Verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, <clears throat> where mistaken identity is concerned, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, and there's knowing again, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him or over us. For in that he died, he died unto sin, again, mistaken identity, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11, likewise reckon ye, in other words, Reckon or know that what you are aware of is going to work. So likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, unto mistaken identity. And we have to remember also, where was Jesus crucified? Well, on Mount Calvary or Golgotha, which means the skull. So you see, his death exposed the lies in our head or in our heart awareness that we embrace through religion his resurrection revealed the truth of who we had always been and have always been. And one of the meanings of resurrection, or a couple of the meanings of resurrection, is to gather our faculties, the faculties of the left side, and yield them to our Christ mind. Also, resurrection means the discovery of spiritual truth. So through the resurrection, we discovered who we always were from before the foundation. Then it goes on to say, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin or mistaken identity, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
verse 12, let not sin, in other words, let not mistaken identity, therefore reign in your mortal body. You see, if we have mistaken identity, then we believe that we are just mortal, we're just matter, our bodies are just material, but we're more than that. We're spirits slowed down to visibility. So let not mistaken identity reign in your mortal body, or that which you believe is a mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. In other words, don't yield the left side faculties, the intellect, the reason, the emotions, and the five senses. Don't yield them unto unrighteousness, as it says there, but yield your faculties, yield the left side unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members, again, the intellect, the reasoning, and the logic, yield them as instruments or faculties of righteousness unto God. Now, what these verses are conveying unto us is that by our knowing, number one, our reckoning, knowing that it'll work, and our yielding, we involve ourselves in being rather than fleshly doing. In other words, it's our nature to know, to reckon, and to yield anything that opposes the mind of Christ within us. Now, what we're teaching is how we can live this life spiritually and naturally just effortlessly, spontaneously. Because that is done through the power of the Spirit naturally, rather than done through the energy of the flesh. A lot of times we hear people say, well, I'm just going to be rather than do. Well, there's a truth to that. And of course, we want to live from the inside or from being, but there is some doing that we do. It's just not fleshly doing. It's, it's doing through the power of the Spirit. In other words, it's our nature to live by our Christ mind. It's our nature to naturally yield the faculties of the left side to our right-sided Christ mind. It's our nature to know the truth. And it's our nature to know or reckon that that truth is going to work for us. And then it's our nature to yield the left side, to not be led by our intellect in and of itself. Nothing wrong with intellect. We just do not want to be led by that in and of itself. We don't want to be led by our reasoning abilities in and of themselves, or our logic, or our senses, or, or our emotions in and of themselves. Nothing wrong with emotions. We need to feel the emotions. But at the same time, we need to know that our emotions, emotions don't have the final say. It's our Christ mind as we yield. Now, what do we yield? Once again, our concepts and our ideas of who we believed Father God is, and also who we have believed that we were and are. And you see, once we begin to understand who our Father is, that He is love, He is light, and He is life, no matter what we read in the Scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, where many times God is blamed for killing and uh, disastrous things, we have to understand that those are literal stories to show us the allegory so that we then can experience, for example, if you see concerning the flood of Noah. God did not bring the flood of Noah. It says there very plainly, the wickedness upon the earth is what released that. Because remember, our heart awareness is a projector, and it will project those things out. 
But back to some of the stories in the Old Testament that, that, that you know, say that God did this and God did the other and it's very horrible things. We have to understand and look at the allegory of those things. What is being destroyed is, is not people, but the thoughts that are contrary to the Christ mind. So what, once we begin to come to this and we begin to understand the truth of walking effortlessly, we begin to realize that when we really know who Father is, how that he is love and light and life, then we begin to understand who we are because we are one in him. And that's very important knowledge and understand and when I say knowledge, not just a, a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, an intuitive knowledge, an intimate knowledge. Once we come to that and the religiosity is burned up within between our ears or in our awareness, then we can begin to pursue this effortless living and we can walk in effortless living. Now, when Paul quoted in Corinthians, my power is made perfect in weakness, the word weakness there once again means feebleness of mind, not just feebleness of body. It can produce feebleness of body, but it really was talking about the feebleness of mind. In other words, Paul had come to the Father, to God, and asked him to remove the thorn three times, and God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. What I hear in that is, Paul, you do it. You plant the seeds of your Christ mind into your heart awareness, and it'll just naturally happen. And then when Paul said that it was his weakness that brought about the strength of God in his life where the thorn was concerned, what was he saying? He was simply saying, since weakness has to do with the principle of yielding, he was simply saying, as I just yield to the Christ mind, and I'm not led by my intellect, my reason, and my logic, or my feelings, or my five senses, as I yield that, then the thorn, the situation of the thorn was taken care of automatically and effortlessly. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, it talks about our light affliction. Now, I look at the light affliction not necessarily as some physical disease or problem in the body. I believe the light affliction can just simply be the temptation to be, to be led by the left side, by the intellect and by the reasoning. And what he says there is that it'll only last for a minute. And see, we're beginning to learn this, that as soon as intellect raises up and tries to operate in and of itself or reason or logic, we're very quick now to discern that and realize that. And so therefore, that only lasts for but a moment, as it says there in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. And then it tells us what we must do when these things rise up. Our focus must be on the unseen, the eternal. Our focus must be on the spiritual, the invisible, rather than what we're experiencing out here in the natural. And so those are very vital verses of Scripture for us to understand. And the reason why is because where focus goes, <clears throat> energy flows. Where focus goes, energy flows. So as we look at effortless living in the upcoming weeks, we're going to see some truths that will enable us to begin to live more effortlessly. And the more that we do that, the more we experience it, the more we're going to be able to just have our whole life just be living 
out of the overflow. So when we live in the flow, that's when we begin to walk and live effortlessly. Now, I want to look at some examples in Hebrews chapter 11 of <clears throat> some people called the cloud of witnesses or the heroes of faith that walked effortlessly. And the first one is in uh, verse 4 of Hebrews 11, where it refers to Abel offering unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why? Well, because he, didn't, he did not offer works. He offered a blood sacrifice, or as we translated into effortless living, he offered a life put down or yielded. Now, sheep represent thoughts or higher thoughts. Goats represent lower thoughts. So what did Abel offer? But something that was of, <clears throat> excuse me, something that was of the Christ mind. Abel offered something of the Christ mind rather than works and toil and sweat as Cain did. Then in verse 5, we see Enoch. And of course, we know that Enoch experienced translation power. He experienced immortality. The scripture says in Genesis that he walked with God for 300 years. Well, 300 is the number of complete victory. How did he walk? Well, how do we walk in the natural? Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Left foot would be yielding. Right foot would be the Christ mind. You know, in the armed services, when they march, they start with left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, which denotes yielding. Then in verse 7, we have Noah. And of course, we know that Noah was told to build the ark because of the flood that was coming. And he went beyond people laughing at him and scorning him. And we know his name means rest and it means grace. So in other words, Noah yielded to all of the scoffers. And he lived by faith, or he lived by the invisible. He lived by the unseen. He yielded to the Father rather than sparing himself the ridicule and the persecution. He did the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus did nothing but what he saw the Father do. He spoke nothing but what he heard the Father speak. And so Noah here at this time in Genesis lived the same way, and as a result... It was effortless. It was an effortless living. And we know the results that took place as a result of Noah not caring about the persecution and the scoffers. But Noah rest, lived by grace, as Jesus did, and as a result saw victory in the end. <clears throat> and then in verses 8 through 12, we see Abraham. And of course, Abraham believed God instead of their chronological ages. He considered not the impotency or the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, he yielded by judging righteous judgment. He did not judge by Sarah's age or the impotency that he had in his life. He didn't, he didn't judge anything by the appearance realm. He simply judged righteous judgment and he walked again by faith. He walked by knowing. He walked by the unseen realm. And as a result, we know they were able then to have children, the children that was promised to Abraham and Sarah. Then in verse 22, we see Joseph. And of course, we know Joseph is a perfect type of Christ. And he yielded exactly as Jesus always yielded. In fact, I like to say that Joseph was pitted and potted and putted. He was pitted by his brothers when he was thrown into the pit. He was potted by Potiphar's wife who lied about him. 
and then he was put or putted into the throne to reign and to rule. And also we can read in the scriptures where it says of Joseph's brothers that they meant this for evil for Joseph. But God and Joseph himself, by focusing upon the unseen realm, knew that it was going to work together for good rather than for evil. And we know what the outcome was. Again, all of that was effortless living. You see, if we're not living Christ's life effortlessly, spontaneously, and naturally, we're really not living the Christ life. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, when we're trying to work up, when we're trying to work those fruit, the fruit up, then guess what? It's not truly fruit that has come out of the flow, but it is something that we have tried to manufacture. So effortless living is really the Christ life, and it's living out of the flow. Otherwise, it's just an imitation. Then in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 29, we see Moses there. And there was a number of areas that Moses yielded himself, but there was one occasion where he did not yield, and as a result, he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. And of course, we know, and we can see through that, the importance of living effortlessly and of yielding the left side unto the right side. Then in verses 32 through 34, there are others that are listed, but the one I want to point out here is Gideon, which states of him that out of weakness was made strong. Due to what? Due to their yielding. And you can read about Barak and Samson and David and Samuel and the other prophets there. Out of weakness they were made strong. Or out of weakness, just like Paul the Apostle where the thorn was concerned. Out of weakness, and again weakness is a principle of yielding. So out of yielding, their intellect, their reason, their logic, their emotions, and their five senses... Out of yielding that to the spirit or to the Christ mind, they had victory within their lives. So the key here to effortless living is in joining the masculine and the feminine together. What is the masculine? It's our Christ mind. You know, Paul said, put on the mind of Christ. And put on means to slip into like you slip into a garment. Put on the mind of Christ. That's the masculine principle of our lives. Yield the left side. That's the feminine principle of our lives. That's why Paul said that the wife is to yield to the husband. That's a spiritual principle. That's not just talking about in the natural uh, of a husband and a wife. Because later on, Paul says, submit one to another. So it's not that one is lesser and one is greater, and we have to submit to the greater one. That's not it at all. That's not going to bring effortless living. Effortless living is going to happen as we learn to continually yield the intellect and the reasoning that we might have between our ears and the logic and the feelings and the emotions, continually yielding them to our Christ's mind. And when we do that, according to Galatians 5 verse 17, flesh will no longer be lusting after spirit and spirit after flesh. In other words, they'll come a rest. They'll come a balance and they'll come a rest. Now, let me say, give you some definitions here concerning yielding, because once you begin to understand what the word actually means, you'll see that it is a real key to effortless living. But the word yield in the Greek is 39, 36, and it means to stand beside. See, and our heart awareness, which is the projector, 
stands behind. I, I think of the song, I think Tammy Wynette sang it, Stand By Your Man. Spiritually, that's what we're doing. So yield means to stand beside. It means to be at hand. It means to assist. Of course, it's going to assist the masculine principle to bear the fruit of Christ. It means to bring before, meaning as bringing before the masculine principle. And see, the feminine does what these definitions infer. As our feminine part yields, it assists the masculine part of us. It stands beside the masculine part of us. It brings before because it's a projector. It projects out in manifestation as we bring the two together. Then it leads to another number, 2476, which means to stand. It means upright, an active position. <clears throat> it means to abide and to establish, and that's similar to 3936. Then it leads to another number, 5087, and it means to conceive. So you see, our feminine principle is where the word, which comes from our Christ mind, is conceived. It's where it's quickened. It means to settle. It becomes settled within our heart awareness. It means to sink down. I like that. It means to give, to kneel down, to lay aside, and horizontal position. And you see, in the natural, when a woman is engaged in lovemaking with her husband, she's in a horizontal position. So you see, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. Now, when we look at the words put on, as in put on the mind of Christ, it means to slip in, it means to sink down, but it means to slip into as slipping into a garment. And you see, as we talk about this yielding and this putting on the mind of Christ, yielding the left side and putting on the mind of Christ, they're very closely related. Yielding means to sink down, whereas put on, as in putting on the mind of Christ, means to sink into. So you see, you can see they're very similar. As we yield the left side, as we yield intellect, reason, and logic, and five senses and emotions, what are we doing? We're sinking down, you see, as we bring it down and yield it to the Christ mind. And then the Christ mind, putting on the Christ mind, is to sink into. So you have sinking down and sinking into. And they're very similar, one with another. But that's the key to effortless living. It's learning to do as Jesus did when he said, I do nothing but what I see my Father do. I say nothing but what I hear my Father say. In every situation, Jesus would yield the left side to the right side. And of course, the Father represents the Christ mind within us. Now, in Ruth chapter 3 and verse 4, we can see a very interesting verse of Scripture that really relates to this. But in Ruth 3 and verse 4, we see that Naomi is telling Ruth what to do where Boaz is concerned. And listen to what she says in verse 4 of Ruth chapter 3. And it shall be when he, talking about Boaz, lieth down, that thou shalt go to the place where he is and lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and we know feet speaks of walk, and lay down. See, sink down as yielding means, lay down. And he will tell thee, Christ's mind, will tell thee what thou shalt do. 
So here we see a beautiful picture in Ruth 3 and verse 4 as to what Naomi said to Ruth what she should do. She should go out where Boaz is and uncover his feet, speaking of walk, and lay down, or in other words, sink down, or yield, and he, speaking of Boaz, representing Christ's mind, shall tell thee what thou shalt do. And then in verse 14 it states that she laid, or she yielded the left side, as it were, until a certain time, until when? Until the morning, or until the new day, or until the seeds of the Christ mind were sown into her heart awareness, conceived and quickened there, and the new day dawned in her heart awareness. So until her heart awareness was conceived and quickened with light and understanding, Naomi told her she was to stay there, stay right there, lay right there, uncover his feet. In other words, something about a walk is going to be revealed. And she laid there or sunk down or yielded until the truth came to her heart awareness. Now, it's interesting that the word lay there in the Hebrew is 7901, and it means rest. And it also means decrease. Like, he must increase, I decrease. And it also means to be still. And so that's very interesting. It's a beautiful picture of what we're talking about here in learning to live effortlessly and spontaneously and naturally. Now, in closing, I want to give you about 15 uh, contrasts and how that when we live this life effortlessly, what is it going to look like? So many people say, well, what, what does that look like? How is that going to look? As we learn to live from the inside out rather than the outside in, as we learn to live from the internal rather than the external, as we learn to yield the left to the right side, there's a certain look, there's certain things that take place and happen in our lives. And I'm going to go through those uh, different, about 15 of them, those different, so, so to speak, contrasts, although they're not contrasts, they really represent one when we learn how to live the spiritual life effortlessly. So number one is you will be sowing to the spirit as opposed to sowing to the flesh. In other words, you bring the Christ thoughts to your heart awareness. Number two, you begin to rest as you've never rested before. And you begin to realize as opposed to work, sweat, and toil. Number three, you understand and you realize, because you've yielded the left to the Christ mind, you realize now, the importance of now. You realize the importance of is. You understand the importance of as, as he is, so are we in this world. See, we must learn to live in the present moment or in now, because right now the truth is that I am health personified. I am wealth personified. I am one in Him. I have never been separate from Him. So when we realize now, and is, and as, that is opposed to living in the future. You know, when you live in the future, that's characterized by worry. How am I going to make it? How is this going to happen? How is that going to happen? Or when we live in the past, we have regrets. So we need to learn, and this is a part of effortless living, to live in the now. <clears throat> To live in the isness of the Father, or Christ. To live 
as him, as he is. So are we. Number four is seeking enduring meat. How many know that Jesus was out ministering one day and his disciples wanted to go get him some food? And when they brought the food back, what did he say? He said, I have meat to eat you know not of. So you see, we need to seek the meat that is enduring meat, the eternal truth, rather than meat that perisheth. Number five, no desire. We have no desire. When we live in this dimension of the unseen and the invisible, we have no desires except to know him. And that's what Matthew 6, says. Seek ye first and only the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, the material things, will be added unto you. So no desire but to know him. We don't seek for manifestation. So many people today are seeking for manifestation. We've got to have a manifestation of health and wealth and all of these things. No, seek him. Because he is all of that, not only in you, but as you. Number six, we learn to live not in a material sense of the body. Now, we're not material. We're not merely mortal. We're not merely material or matter. We are spirit slowed down to visibility in every area of our life, spirit, soul, and body. But we must learn, and we will learn as we come into this effortless living, we will learn not to live in a sense of the material body. And what do I mean by that? For example, we won't be dependent upon our organs, but we will come to understand that it is spirit within us that keeps our organs functioning properly. What do you think it is that keeps your lungs breathing at night and your heart beating? It's spirit within us. Some people say it's a subconscious, but yes, it is spirit within us, keeping us breathing and keeping our heart beating. So in other words, when we come into this dimension where we live from the inside out rather than the outside in, we're going to realize it's we are spirit through and through, as 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says in the classic Amplified. We're spirit through and through. So it is spirit that keeps our bodies functioning properly and living. Number seven, we must, and we will, realize that nothing has to change except our heart awareness. And that's why I have called this series Effortless Living, not Effortless Change. Because nothing has to change. Nothing is out of order in the kingdom of God. It only appears to be out of order. And we have to understand there's only one power. Yes, there are things that appear to have a power, but there's only one power. So nothing really has to change except between our ears. Nothing really has to change except our heart awareness. And again, that heart awareness is a projector, and it projects out the manifestation of whatever it is that we have need of in our lives. Number eight, we must learn to judge righteously. Just like Abraham, he didn't judge Sarah by, by her age, her chronological age, or himself by his chronological age. He judged righteous judgment. In other words, he didn't judge by appearances. He judged simply by the invisible realm, by truth. Number nine, we will be single-minded. We won't judge things by the two eyes on our head. But we have a single eye. As Jesus said, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. We judge by the single eye. We don't live in double-mindedness or duality when we tap into and begin to live naturally by effortless living. Number 10, we live from the inside out. 
from the internal rather than the external realm. We don't judge by the external realm. Number 11, we will know and understand that we are in the ageless one. We're in the ageless one. It's not merely youth renewal. Now that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. Their, their youth was renewed. But for us, it's greater than that. We live in the ageless one. And as we live in that reality in our heart awareness, then that will be manifested outwardly in our lives. Number 12, we know the truth. And this is a big one. We know the truth and not merely about truth, as opposed to being ignorant and having no vision. Scripture says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge or where there's no vision, the people perish. We know the truth. And that's what we were looking at in Romans chapter 6, knowing, reckoning, and yielding. We know the truth works. We don't just know about truth. We know that the truth works. We reckon that it's going to work. And then we yield the left to the right. Number 13, we do not live in a death consciousness or a sin consciousness. Now, what is a sin consciousness? Sin is mistaken identity. So we're not living in mistaken identity. As Colossians 1.21 says that I've already quoted, people think that they are alienated and that there was a time in their life they were separated from the Father, and therefore they believe they were enemies of the Father. But that was only in their mind, it says in Colossians 1.21. So we don't have a death consciousness. We don't have a sin consciousness. We're not sin conscious or death conscious. Number 14, we realize we are the new heaven and we are the new earth that Revelation talks about. Objectively, that is true about us. So as we join masculine and feminine together, we then begin to experience that subjectively. We don't think in terms of being an old man. We don't think in terms of of being unholy or unrighteous. We're not sin conscious. We're not death conscious. We are the new heaven and the new earth. And the last one, number 15, and this is a big one. We all have gone through this. We don't resist, deny, rebuke, command, bind, or loose. We don't try to get a greater power to overcome what we consider to be a lesser power, but we realize there is only one power. And when you come to that understanding that there is only one power, you'll rest rather than fight. You won't be denying, you won't be rebuking, you won't be, you know, binding and loosing like we used to do. You won't be demon and devil conscious. You'll be God conscious. And you'll rest in that. And as you rest in that, you'll see that your life will begin slowly but surely to be lived effortlessly, naturally, and spontaneously. You know, many people today believe that they have a true self and a false self, or a higher self and a lower self. But let me say there's just one self. There's only one self. And when we engage ourselves, though, in lower thoughts, that's when it appears we have a lower self and a higher self, you see. But listen, thoughts, no matter how negative they are, they do not change who you are. They don't give you or, or cause you to have a higher self and a lower self. You can think lower thoughts all day long and all you want, but that does not change your identity. Just like the prodigal, when he went off from the father and did his own thing, that did not change his identity. And the father still embraced him and accept him, always accepted him and always will accept us, no matter how 
you know, many times we think lower thoughts. We have to understand that it does not change who we are one iota. We will always act like the person we believe ourselves to be. So that's why it's so important to put the right seed thoughts into our womb, into the ground, as Jesus called it when he taught on the parable of the sower sowing the seed. We're the sower, and we sow that seed from our Christ mind into our womb or into our virgin consciousness. Uh, there's many terms you can use, or, or into our feminine principle. And as we do, we will begin to experience this effortless living. And what a different lifestyle that is. Rather than to be toiling and struggling and fighting and, and, you know, always on the defensive because we have to do it just right. And if we don't do it just right, you see, we're going to be on the outside. So I hope this blessed you today and that you are beginning to realize that living the effortless life spiritually will affect every area of our lives naturally, spiritually, in every way. So I trust that, that you're one that desires to experience this effortless living. Next week, we're going to deal with Romans chapter 8. And that chapter has been known to many theologians as the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. And we're going to look at that verse by verse as we apply it to effortless living. Like, for example, in verse 1, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, the last part of that was not in the original, which says who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The last part was not added. So what that is saying is every person and every person objectively is in Christ. They might not be, you know, experiencing it subjectively, but every person is in Christ. So there's no condemnation. There's no handicap. There's no limitation. There's no disability there. And so we're going to dig into Romans chapter 8, and we're going to continue on this series on effortless living. Trust that you'll keep up and, and follow the, the uh, lessons as we bring them. So thank you for listening today. Have a wonderful day.